And welcome to your Sunday sermon for July the 25th. It is um, beautiful out and about. And I am uh, doing today's sermon. Tomorrow morning I am headed, hopefully, Lord willing, um, to Israel. And I get to spend a week uh, plus there with some other pastors and spend some time really reflecting on some of the things. So next week's podcast, we will have um, Luke Crow, brother Luke Crow going to be bringing the message, but it will not be up during our message time. Like uh, what I did, I do with the podcast is I use it as an opportunity to go over my notes, read it and, and uh, prepare for the sermon. Um, but because he will be preaching in the church, they're going to record that. We will upload that later in the week um, or when I return uh, which should be sometime later in that week. But for August the 1st, we will not have a podcast sermon until later in the week due to um, my not being in the country at the time. So I wanted to just make sure that everyone was aware of that if you do listen to our podcast sermons. Um, that being said, this is the sermon for today, July the 25th. And we do hope that it brings you a blessing. Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 22, and we are looking at those last few verses. As I told you last week, uh, we were going to look at those verses 20 through 24. So back in Genesis chapter 11, as we've been doing this study, we've been taking care of the things that are going on and, and really looking at a number of these things. We were introduced to Abraham and his family in chapter 11. Now, Abram was one of three brothers. The other two were Nahor and Haran. The growth and direction of this family is what the entire Old Testament records. First, we discover that Haran had a son named Lot. Lot came along with Abram on his journey. And of course, we all know about the compromises that came along with his life. And we've talked about a number of these things. So basically, I'm giving a review of where we've been to this point this year, seven months down. And here's where we are. First, Lot moved to close to Sodom. And after its destruction, Lot's line became the Ammonites and the Moabites, two peoples with whom Israel will have trouble with in the future because their life was laden with sin. Well, then second, we have the story of Abram. Abram and Sarai couldn't have children. And of course, Sarai gave Abram her maid, Hagar. Ishmael was born through her. And finally, after 25 years of waiting, God's promise to Abraham to have a son finally comes true. Isaac was born. Now, if in that happy and momentous occasion, we needed an indication that life wouldn't be a happily ever after event, we need to look no further than the animosity of the child of the slave woman, Hagar, to the child of the free. Now, it's the hatred and dislike between the two that that Paul used as an example of the, the world's hatred and persecution of Christians. And Abraham sends Ishmael and Hagar away, and all he has is Isaac. And eventually God calls upon Abraham to put his only son on an altar, and Abraham obeys, trusting that after the sacrifice was made, God would raise him back up again. Abraham's faith is rewarded quite differently when he anticipated God, and, well, God provided the ram that was caught in the thicket. Now, can you imagine right now that Abraham is walking on cloud nine? And I would assume that after a test and a victory of that sort, Abraham felt in, indefeatable, un, 
unbeatable. Look, never is a place so dangerous as when you think that you have arrived and can't be defeated. Because that is when trouble comes to your own soul. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, we have this wonderful warning given to us to keep us from falling away. Paul first says, so if you are stand, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Now, this is serious stuff. Whenever we get cocky about our walk with Christ, we're in a place to be knocked down. Why is it that you do in the, that those things happen? Why do these things happen to you, suppose? That's a question I want to ask you today. I think in part it is God's plan to keep us humble. We begin to get puffed up. We start appropriating glory for ourselves when God actually is the only one worthy of glory and not us. But God's plan is only to test us, not destroy us. That's Satan's scheme. And that's why the next verse in 1 Corinthians is a promise of God's faithfulness and a reminder of his plan for our victory. Verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond that what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, that is an awesome God. And that is the God that we have been talking about since the beginning of the year as we've been highlighting our beginnings. We've really spent a lot of time in the beginnings of man and the beginnings of the church. And we've been spending that time to talk about our awesome God. Now, Abraham just had this spiritual victory after what we can imagine was his toughest test to date. Now, what do you suppose happens immediately upon his arrival home? Well, God does something to bolster Abraham's faith even further. But we have no indication that Abraham knew it or even of how Abraham responded. But what we do discover in the very next passage is very important. And and what we might perceive as a problem or a difficulty might be God's gracious preparation and provision for our future. So I want to talk about what we can see in the unseen. You know, take a look at this passage that might look a bit disjointed, but reveals God's gracious hand at work. If you turn to Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 24. Now, after these things, Abraham was told, Milcah also has borne sons to your brother Nahor. As his firstborn, his brother Buzz, Kimuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlap. And Bethuel, and Bethuel fathered Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, Gaham, Tehash, and Makah. We have a grocery list of children, right? A, a, a list of names. A list of kids. Well, if you know anything about the Bible, you already know that those names included. It's not quite just a family history. Remember the family history we started with here. Haran had a son. Abraham had two children, one outside of faith and one of faith. 
Abraham gets home, sits down for a warm meal of, of stew, and Sarah begins to ask about the trip. Now, he carefully reveals all the parts of the events, right? Now, I understand this. I wonder who she talked to first because it could have made all the difference. But personally, I think it would have been a hard time to explain to your spouse that you just put your child on an altar. But then again, maybe she knew. We don't see any evidence that he didn't talk to her, but it doesn't seem that he told either one. Uh, you know, Isaac didn't know because he asked questions as they approached when it was just the two of them. And we talked about all of that last week. But throughout the course of conversation, we find something here. Sarah remarks to Abraham that they had just had a visitor from their old hometown. They'd brought news of his brother Nahor, and unlike themselves, Nahor had a bustling family. Eight sons from one wife, three from another, concubines. I wonder if that was a little shocking, disappointing. I wonder how that hit Abraham. God had promised him he would have more descendants than you could count. God had promised him that he would have to count the stars before you counted his children. God had promised him all these things. And they had struggled for 25 years, nearly three decades, to have a child who was now a teenager. He was one. He was only one. And God had just asked him to show his faith by almost taking the life of this child. And yet Nahor, his brother, was richly blessed with children. So in the human mind, in the way that we think in all of these things, well, it certainly does feel something here. It certainly does feel that it's not fair. In our human thinking, we just don't feel that you know, in our small minds, we look at one child compared to 11, and it's not too hard for us to think we know who it is that God has blessed and who he has not. Now, we're never told Abraham's reaction to this news. Now, it's not the focus of the story by no means, and the focus is on God and his sovereign hand working life out, divinely ordaining it, and might we add the perfect plan is being revealed right in the front of our nose. God has a greater good planned, greater good than even Abraham could see. At first glance, we're wading through the scriptures and it's a plan that doesn't really jump out and grip us either. We read it, we assume it's just a, a list of names and we move on. But let's take a look at the kids of Nahor. Not all the names are important. Some might be more important than others. The first is us. Now, you then have Buzz and Kimuel, who happened to be the father of Aram, who um, the, Ar the Arameans, the Syrians, they play an important role although not wonderful role in the Bible, and they, however, were used by God to correct and rebuke his people. Further down the line, we have this wonderful name, a list of names that continues. But note, if you will, the last name in verse 22. Verse 22, a man named Bethuel. 
he is actually quite important and his importance becomes even more evident in the 24th chapter. We're not even there for it, but I will ruin the surprise for you. Here in the mixture of names that we might have brought, you know, they may have brought joy. They may have brought sorrow. We don't know. But the name of his son, soon to be father-in-law and wife. In the 23rd verse, Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. In this conversation, Abraham is learning of the father of his daughter-in-law. Now, as we discover in chapter 24, when we arrive there, we will, we will see that it's vitally important that Isaac have a wife who would not lead him spiritually astray. It's vitally important that Isaac have a wife who would submit herself to God's will. And, and I just want to interject here. Sure, I'm unmarried, but I can read God's word just like anyone. And I want to confirm for us how vital it is the role of the life of the wife in the life of the husband. It may not tell you your husband may not say something to you if you're hearing this and husbands the same. You may be quiet on this regard, but as much as it is the husband's job to be the spiritual head of the home and to direct and protect the wife in faith. The wife's faith has a powerful impact on the husband. Now, wives are encouragement. Wives can encourage us through things. I I know that I have seen families where wives write notes and they leave them for their husband. But they don't give them to them outright. They leave them in their lunch or they leave them in a bag when they go on a business trip. Things of that nature. Folks, that's encouragement that is more than they may even understand. So be encouraged, women. Encourage your husband in his faith. But also Proverbs 31 shows how needful this is when it says in verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. And in verse 12, she brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. It was vital that Isaac have a godly wife. And God was working to make certain that what was most needed was provided. Even if Abraham couldn't see it, it was provided here. What we might see as a problem or even what we might see as unimportant might be something God is doing to prepare for our future. You see, Nahor had 11 children. But Abraham had God's promise. Just as we have promises, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, I will, if we seek the kingdom, everything we need will be provided. He knows our name and he is preparing for us a place to be with him. God's promises will never go unanswered. Understand that today. So what do we learn from all of Abraham's trouble and from this list of names? But what we learn is just as after every victory over a struggle is followed with more testing, God is working behind the scenes to prepare something even greater for us than we can imagine. 
It might be a stronger ministry. It might be a new direction. It might be pre-planned provision of grace from God's hand to our greatest need at the moment. But in all of it, God is there. He is faithful. He can be trusted. And even when we can't see what on earth God might be doing, He is preparing the way for us to grow and to be something more than we have settled into being. Folks, hear me today when I say this. What we see in these four verses is a preparation of who God had to encourage Isaac, who God was preparing for Isaac. I have found this to be a great encouragement for me, knowing that in my years and 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 though I may be single, if the Lord is preparing one for me, then there is one out there. But what I also see in this is that as families, that the one who upbuilds the other, the wife who encourages the husband, the, the one that God has prepared. She is the one that even in the midst of it all, there's a story that we've read, we've passed over, we've glossed over, but God is doing something that maybe we just missed parts of. Now, I mean, we could argue that Abraham didn't hear the name of Rebecca, but he did hear the name of her father. Now, as time goes by, we can argue over all of these things, I'm sure. But let me tell you this today. Are you battling with the promises that have been made? Are you struggling with the things that the promises are leading you to and you just cannot understand or see clearly the things that God has for you today? No. But even in the most obscure of ways, God is preparing you for what is to come. And though we might not see it now, one day it will be perfectly clear. Because God is at work for his children. God is a keeper of promises. And that is all I need to say about it. Because God has made a promise. And he plans to keep it. Do you feel left out in the cold some days? Do you feel like you've been toiling over these things? Are you angry and jealous and frustrated over the things that are happening for everyone else? Understand this. Abraham hears a story about 11 children that belong to a family member. He struggles with the the situation and the struggle that's going on here abraham has a brother he settles into beersheba he settles into the whole thing and then sarah breaks the news well your brother has 11 children you have one now i want to just simply say this today as well We can speculate on how Abraham felt, but I'm going to tell you right now, Abraham went to that mountain with Isaac, prepared to sacrifice the one son, the promised son, because God had asked him to. I firmly believe that rather than get angry and upset in this moment, Abraham maybe rejoiced a little. 
I mean, yeah, it might have been frustrating that, well, why don't I have 11 children? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? But also remember, he had just saved the child of the promise. God had just provided in the midst of this thing. Now, we can choose to take God's provision and we can get angry about when others have more. Or we can be blessed in that what he's just done far outweighs what I see in someone else's life. Because God has been faithful to a promise to me. Folks, our lives are different. We're all created for a different purpose. We're all created for a different uh, thing. We, we all have different personalities, different, different things to give. But remember this, we're all created in the same image. The image of God. So while we all may be different, we truly are all the same in some ways. And I hope you will recognize that today as well. Because we can find joy in the lives of others. We can find joy in what others have, the blessings that they have been given. And also find joy in our own blessings. And we don't have to look across the aisle and covet our neighbor or our brother or sister and what they have. Because Abraham had the child of the promise. Because God had been faithful to keep a promise. And it might have been 25 years in the making, but God kept a promise. And he always keeps his promises. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity once again to come into your presence today and to worship you, Lord, to celebrate you. And we give you the glory today for showing us these things. So, Lord, as we continue you to tell the story of you, of, of us of who we are in you. I pray that Lord, we use this as a opportunity to see how blessed we are. That Lord, if you have made us a promise, you fulfill those promises. You intend to fulfill those promises. You do not make promises you will not keep. So go with us today, Lord, lead us and direct us. And Lord, if there be any who need to feel a touch from you, I pray that they would. I pray that if they need to reach out, they would. And if there be any who need to make a decision for you, that their minds would be made up by you, Lord, that you would touch their heart and speak to them today. Lord, go with us, lead us and direct us today. Show us your glory in mighty ways. We pray this now in your holy, precious and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our services here on the Newland Christian Church Daily Devotional Podcast. This is our weekend service. You're welcome to join us. We have Sunday school at 10 a.m., service at 11 on Sunday mornings. Sunday evenings, we meet at 6 p.m., and on Wednesday evenings, we meet at 6 p.m. Every service is also streamed live on our Facebook page. You can get more information about Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. Hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.